Okay, next verse. <laughs> food for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. So food for the stomach. Hallelujah. You know, you, you need to pray for me. I'm not yet over the fast. I was having something in the morning, not really a meal, I was just putting something inside. And I felt guilty. I've not managed to have two meals in a day from the time the fast ended. I'm requesting prayer. Hallelujah. I hope you're putting me in your prayer. There are some people here you've not struggled. As in the moment the fast was done, everything just adjusted back. Like, no, no trouble whatsoever. Hallelujah. Like, you know those people that you go for a bride with and on their, then they go home and still eat shimmer. Not, not supper, shimmer. Hallelujah. <laughs> I remember I was in camp some time back and the guys complained because we were given rice. And so we just heard them walking about complaining. Hallelujah. So he says it's food for the for the stomach and the stomach for food. But God will destroy both it and them. Now, and I want you to listen to this. It says the body is not for sexual morality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Now, uh, primarily, a person's body is for the Lord, right? And then, if the person is married, their body belongs to the other spouse. I'm saying this so that someone shouldn't use my teaching negatively. If you're married, your body also belongs to your spouse. But generally, the Bible says the body is not for sexual morality, but for the Lord. Meaning, you know, you have to follow the Lord's predisposition in how he has decided that the body should be used. That's why you should not allow anyone to treat you like a trophy. Don't allow somebody to treat you like a trophy because um, your body may not always be the way it is. It might experience something God growing and they'll find another trophy. That's why, haven't you seen our friends in the West who keep trying to do plastic surgery, this, plastic surgery, this, plastic surgery, this. Many of them it's because there's a way that they view their body. So primarily your body is for the Lord. Say my body is for the Lord. Let's go on. Now this is not my topic, so you can allow me now to rush through it. I'm a preacher, so I've got a comment on every scripture. I've got a comment, trust me, on every scripture. Uh huh. So it says, and God raised up the Lord and also raised us up by his power. Uh huh. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Now hold on there. So that means when it says your bodies are members of Christ, uh, recently, there's a case in the UK, right? Where there's a member of the royal family. There's a, there's a member of the royal family who has, he had a scandal. And the scandal that he had is that uh, he was living with a person who was a convicted sex offender. So I was watching the video where he was defending himself and he was saying, I know that a person of my status is not supposed to do this. What that means is this. No one will have trouble if a person of the royal family gets married the right way. But the moment a person of the royal family is doing what commoners do, going to 
uh, brothels and going to strip clubs, they'll have trouble. Because what they are saying is a member of the royal family is doing this. It's not just you, it's a member of the royal family doing this. That's, the, that's what Paul is trying to communicate here. It's saying, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Meaning, as being part of this wonderful organization called Christ, if you are to decide to get married the right way and enjoy your husband or enjoy your wife, it's lawful because that's dignified. But as a member of this organization and this body called Christ, if you do anything, you're embarrassing Christ. I don't know if you're getting my point. It's like saying, can you imagine a member of Christ? Which member? The hand. The member of Christ is doing that. So shall I then take Christ and make him a member of a harlot? That's what he said. Shall I then take Christ and make him part of that conversation? Does Christ need to be in that conversation? That's the way I want you to start thinking. Have you noticed that I'm not training you to think sin? I'm training you to think Christ. Next verse. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Next verse. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Now, he mentions that those who are joined to harlots are one body. Then he says, but if you are joined to the Lord, you are one spirit. So meaning, if you have fellowship with the Lord, what are you with him? One spirit. And one way to deny yourself intimacy with God is to use your body wrongly. Let's go on. But this is really not my point. So he says, flee sexual morality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual morality sins against his own body. So he's actually trying to show that you know how people say, hey, don't worry whether you've done this. All sins are the same. He's actually saying this one is a bit more difficult. It's got more complications. Mm-hmm. Let's go on. So if there's anyone in this place, this scripture is not really my point. But if you indulge in such activities, don't do that. Get out of it. Get out of that relationship if you have to. Get out of those conversations. Stop going to those places. You're bigger than that. Think Christ. Now, I'm teaching on the Holy Spirit, so now my point has come. I want the King James. So, notice these people are living a life that's below the standard of the life they're supposed to live, right? Can I have the King James, please? Read it. If you're a person who's done at least grade three English, I want you to read it following the punctuations and the like. One, two, three, go. You got the first part right. Can you do the first part again? Okay. Hallelujah. I I, I want you to think about it this way. Imagine... You know, this is someone who can read and write, and they're female, and you see them boldly walking into the male toilet. Like, boldly. They're even going there, everything is just okay, like, and 
<laughs> Let me not describe how male toilets are. But generally, they are probably designed a little differently. And they then go there just among them and, and they start doing what they're supposed to do. Or into the male showers. Don't you think the thought be, what? Know ye not that you are female? And a female belongs where females should be. Is somebody getting my point? Imagine you went to a bank and you found the president queuing up. Won't you say, what? Don't you know you are the president? <laughs> like you can have this place closed if you want and you can go to the mall right now and close down a shop and shop alone. Like don't you know who you are? Somebody say glory to God. What does this mean? Your quality of life as a believer, you will not experience the fullness of your quality of life as a believer if you have not come to a place of epignosis, if you have not come to a place of revelation that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You will start asking for things you have. Lord, I'm inviting you into my day. I don't think anyway. I'm telling you, when you reduce yourself to a lower quality of life. Now, you must understand the way I teach. I've got a mandate to teach perfection because perfection is what perfects. So for me, you know that the aim of the aim of every believer is to come to the place of the fullness. Come to the place of the fullness. Do you know the place of the fullness? Okay, I'm not sure we're ready for certain statements yet. Oh, let me move on. Hallelujah. The place of the fullness. We are not looking for God. You're fully aware that He's in you. You get to enjoy Him. It will edit your prayers. It will edit your songs. It will edit everything. To edit the way you view yourself. You will stop just associating with any statement you see about brokenness. You will start associating with wholeness. I've noticed that trend in the body of Christ. Everyone is trying to be broken. That's why people are even competing about whose testimony is worse. <laughs> think people are competing. I've been through a lot. You, that's what you've been through. Me, what I have... I don't know why everyone wants to be through a lot. I used to think I'd been through a lot. Then I say, I can't see people. Hey, friend, just, just, just be in your place. Just be in your zone. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some people hear their version of being through a lot. Can you imagine? We didn't even have 16 today. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> we didn't even have 16 today. I've been through a lot. So I, I, I'm just saying, people are competing over who's the, who's the more broken vessel and the like. But then the Bible talks about golden vessels and all that. And, and you know something? It's come to a place. I was talking to... Can I be free? I was talking to a few people, and you know what I was telling them? 
Do you know my greatest challenge as a preacher nowadays, especially from the time I became a pastor? Are you ready for it? My greatest challenge is this. Give me Ephesians 4.11. There are people who've come into this thing and there's a way they view a pastor. And you know, the way you view a pastor will determine how you get to, what you get to benefit from them or not. Now, it says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Okay? Which one did he give you? Anyway, let's go on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Which one has he given you? Next verse. And it says, give me the King James, for the perfecting of the saints. That shows you that God doesn't bring you perfect people. When you are a pastor, it is your role to perfect them. I wish this was a minister's conference. Who knows? You can find the majority of people here. So it says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry. Wait, that shows you ministry's work, and that shows you that the saints must do ministry. Now the trouble comes in when the saints come, and what they've been told is, hey, church is a hospital, so you come with your problems. The pastor is, um, and you've, you've been trained to see the pastor as the person who solves your problems. Now there's a place for that. And solving problems, we solve them. But I'll tell you something. People who don't see me as a trainer, as a perfecter, as a teacher, as somebody who's the team leader for us to do the work of ministry, many of them come visit me, I pray for them, and it ends there. Afterwards, they go back where they came from. And there are some people who know they are, they are coming from a very dry place. They even know there is nothing for them there, but they've told themselves, uh-uh. Uh, and they've even been sat down by the elders in the family. No, no, no. Don't leave this place. This place where you are, I'm a shika buino. What? What? Don't you know that whether you're buried well or not buried well, that body will become the same dust that... I don't know, maybe the quality of maggots that eat the body when, when, will be different. But I'm not talking in disrespect to a body. It, it is a tent. Peter called it a tent. You are the one who makes that body special. You are the one who makes it alive. Without you, it wouldn't function. Without it, also, you won't function on earth. That's why you must take care of it. That's why you don't break your fast with Coca-Cola. Hallelujah. But what I'm trying to say is, how can a person be so carnal that they can pick how they'll be buried, of which they'll not... I, 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 they'll, they'll probably not even participate in their funeral. How can a person pick that over growing spiritually and then one day standing before God and He gives you a reward? But the trouble comes in when... So, when you're seen a certain way. So it says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ... Let's go on. Till we all, somebody say we all, come in the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. There are people who believe that unity comes by embracing diversity. Oh, be careful with that. 
Now, I'm not saying unity makes us the same, but unity makes us one. There are certain things the entire body of Christ must all believe. Oh, by the way, I've started to see that happening. I've started to see that happening. Have you noticed that all of a sudden conferences have become a hub from people for different dominations to come and listen and hear one teaching? And before you know it, everyone believes that miracles happen. How many of you have observed that? How many of you have noticed that even just our sermons have been listened to by people in different places? So the perfect unity on the body of Christ will come when we actually believe similar things. So it says, still we all have the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And look at what the Bible is saying. Unto a perfect man. God wants you to be a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now when you understand this, you understand why I deliberately make certain statements. That's why I deliberately make certain statements. Now, my biggest challenge... This part, I ask media, I'm asking for a favor, should clip out this part. I want the whole church to hear it. Play it as a clip. If you have to send it in the group, if on Sunday you have to stop the service for a while and just play it, play it. My biggest challenge is this. Sometimes as a pastor, it's like you struggle between, and for those of you here who know you've got a calling to be a pastor, hear me and hear me well. This one is your remnant. Sometimes the biggest struggle as a pastor is to know, it's like there's a struggle. Should I preach perfection or should I preach convenient? I don't know if you're getting my point. Should I, because you are the pastor, you know what's happening. You don't need a word of knowledge. You know, you, as in, you're straight from the closet, and in the closet, you, you, you study the scriptures, realize that Jesus is the way. Realize that he's the direction to everything. You realize that there is no way you can have Jesus and not have a job. But you know 15 people in the church who don't have jobs, and you, <laughs> it's not like they've not been praying and they've not been looking. So you wonder, mm, do I preach it like that? Where you study in the scriptures and you realize that he that the citizen of Zion shall not say I am sick. But you know 11 people who are not well. And you know it's not their fault. It's not like they're not trying. It's not like they're not faith in it. So sometimes there's a big challenge between preaching perfection and preaching what is the status quo. But here's the thing. One of the two has to change. The other one will only change if we preach perfection. I have to say that again. So now, what, I'm, what I mean is, so when I say, unto a perfect man, unto the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, the moment I start viewing it like this, then don't be shocked if I make certain statements like, a, a, a Christian, having a demon spirit, a Christian, a Christian having a generation. A Christian. Generation of, which generation? A Christian is a new creation. Don't be surprised if I talk like that. You know what it means? It means, we're looking at that. Unto the measure and stage of the fullness of Christ. Can you imagine when everyone comes to the level of the fullness of Christ? And we can get there. And getting there means it has to be uncomfortable sometimes. You know what you have to do? 
you let go of some of the things that are so easy to believe, those things that are convenient, those things, and you start, you start pursuing the bigger things. You deal with the foundation and start pursuing the bigger things. Start pursuing the higher truths about your health. Why you say, you know what? This is what the word of God says. This is how my body is feeling. One of the two have to change. And then you realize the word of God is infallible. The word of God does not change. Hallelujah. Where when you want to think of yourself, you think of Jesus first. Yeah, okay, then you think, can you imagine Jesus? Jesus suffering migraine headaches. Yeah, like even in the imagination, as in the word imagine runs away from you. It's like, hey, don't get me into this. And then you realize that that's actually the place God has called you for. God has called you for the highest of highs. He's called you, he's called you for the greater truths. He's called you for the greater truth. God hasn't called you for a life of, oh, you're on fire, you backslide, you're on fire. No! Yours is a, your, your, your kind of fire is a fire that does not go down. Hallelujah! Tell your neighbor this, <laughs> tell your neighbor this kind. It's a kind that doesn't fall. Hallelujah. Someone, someone from church called me the other day and said, Pastor, you need to pray for me. I keep having dreams of snakes and whatnot. Now, you see, I was talking the other day about spiritual auto-suggest, right? You know how, based on what you say, based on what you read, it's the first thing that comes to your mind. You know the first thing that came to my mind? When I heard snakes, the first thing that came to my mind was Luke 10, 19. I was like, I would like that dream. My legs have missed stepping on. I forget my point. In my head, I was like, don't you know that we are of the kind who when we see snakes, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Step on it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hey, somebody say glory. glory. And so, the reason why we go topic by topic, there are a lot of things I would like to say, but the reason why we've been going topic by topic because the Bible talks about precept upon precept. There are some things people won't understand until they understand certain things. But as time is going, I'm getting the nudge to go deeper. I'm getting the nudge to go deeper. That's why you'll notice, and this, please, those who are ministers, hear me and hear me well. That's why you'll find sometimes a church is, has got a very powerful man of God. Members very useless. And I'm not exaggerating the term. Very powerful man of God. Members don't know anything nothing i mean no nothing because all they see is a problem solver in their pastor they've not seen a trainer they've not seen that what he can do he's actually the reason why god has given them such a powerful man of god is because god wants a congregation of five thousand people who can flow like that man of god and if five thousand people can flow like that man of god imagine what will happen to the city but many of them it's is the one we are the zero so what do they do though they'll end up glorifying them, especially in Africa. Okay. Hey. Imagine that. Do you see why Moses, you know, I was thinking to myself, when Moses prayed that, Lord, may they all be prophets, do you know what I think he was praying? This is me as Fred, eh? 
This is now my school of thought, and it has just come now. Don't you think perhaps he was saying, may they all have the Holy Spirit? How does one prophesy? Isn't it by the Spirit? Wasn't the promise that when the Spirit of God comes, they shall prophesy? Because the Spirit of God is one who gives understanding of mysteries. Moses was a frustrated pastor. Why? Because he had a congregation of three million and only he knew God. So his prayer was for them to all know God for themselves. He wanted them to all to be a nation of prophets. Hallelujah. So let's go back to... For, hey, this is the time. I've not even given point one. Do I talk that much? Let me close with this scripture, I guess. First Corinthians chapter 6. Let's ignore it. Give me verse 19. It's the wind which has come in the rain you've been praying he says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Which you, are, which you have of God. You are not on your own. I, I've got a question for you. Are there certain things you've settled for? Is there a standard you have settled for? Because you are struggling to recognize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are struggling to recognize that your body is the headquarters of God. You are struggling to recognize. Have you settled for sadness? Because you've not recognized that in your body, that's where the presence of God is. And the Bible says where the presence of the Lord is, it says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we are told that in His presence there is fullness of joy. In short, fullness of joy is in you. Are we struggling for less? Have we settled for we are down? Have we settled for... I just can't manage. I just can't. When you are forgetting that the spirit who makes people intelligent dwells in you. As my pastor puts it, you are the headquarters of intelligence. Have we really settled for something lower? My point with these scriptures was not to talk about sexual morality, but to show you that people were settling for a, long, for a lower standard. And the biggest problem is they did not know, they did not recognize that their bodies were temples of the Spirit of God. Have we settled for lower things? Have we settled for admiring Moses? Have we settled for admiring Elijah, who didn't even have the fullness? Have we settled for admiring John the Baptist, who the Bible says the least in the kingdom of God is greater than him? Have we settled for admiring Abraham who had visitations with God every 20 years? Such that Jesus who's, who's living in you keeps knocking at your door. Imagine, he lives in you but he's busy knocking. If you've seen that scripture, behold I stand at the door and knock. He wasn't talking to sinners. He was talking to believers who have shut him out. And then my, my second question is, then what quality of life are we denying ourselves by not embracing that God Almighty dwells in us? There's a miracle on July 3rd, 2014, second, third, when I prayed for a woman whose leg was 23 centimeters shorter. That, 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 that miracle changed my life. It changed my thinking. And it just popped out. I remember I was with Alice. Dylan was there with you. Do you remember the boof? We literally heard the sound and it popped out. And later that day, 
I was walking about feeling like the biggest man of God in the world. Honestly, I was. Then I heard the Holy Spirit say, Fred, you've got a problem. And I asked, what? What do you... I was thinking, me, a problem. I should be your favorite right now. <laughs> and do you know what he said? Because I had doubted. It was, just, it was by the mercy of God that that miracle happened. I doubted. Like I was praying with doubt. In my head, I was not singing, I was singing, I was thinking about my reputation. Not about and I heard him say, Fred, you've got a problem. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, I created the world. Do you think I can't create a leg? And he tells me, don't you know I, I'm in you? Then he did, hey! The God who said, light be, is in me. I went on rampage. I looked for, I searched all over, looking for shorter legs. I needed to practice it. I would check. <laughs> you have enjoyed if you met me then. I was just, I just needed to practice that revelation. Nowadays, of course, you know, the spirit of a prophet is subject to a prophet. If it wasn't short, I would make it shorter, then make it long again. <laughs> Changed a few people's weight. Changed people's height. I know what I'm talking about. How many of you are with me when I did <laughs> I, I'm telling you. The reason why I'd reduce is because what said happened is that people said looking for me specifically for cosmetic and purposes. They stopped wanting to hear the word of God from me. <laughs> I'm telling you, I said getting weird requests. Like, Pastor, are you able to pray for me to have bigger hips? <laughs> I said, it is well. <laughs> I decided, you know what? Let me, build my, let me build my ministry the Jesus way on teaching. Because Jesus built his ministry on preaching the word of God. If I built it on that one, hey, <laughs> I just I said, ah, it is well. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, the day I discovered that, I was set on course for a supernatural life. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, stop looking into how things have been. Look into the word of God, which is your mirror. So I've got a question for you. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know? Do you not know? Then have you, are you really experiencing the benefits of it? Have you settled for less? Do you know what it means to have God in you? Can you imagine there's somebody who's been crying, oh God, I need you to come into my situation. And then God, God somehow moves you. Go and visit that person's room. You know, you know, you're actually going there as an answered prayer to them saying, God, come into my situation. Because where is God living? Hallelujah. Then you go there, you find, you find the person is sick. The person is not well. And then, you, and then you know that you are the righteousness of God. You know what it means to be the righteousness of God? It means you are the rightness of God. So for you, when you are there, you declare the correctness, the rightness of God in a situation. So being the righteousness of God, the righteous thing to do is to pray for that sick person. How are you? You go there and, you go there and the first thing you're like, hey, okay, I'll come another time. Oh, get well soon. So you didn't know that when the person was crying out for God to come to their situation, that's why you were moved to go there. Hallelujah. 
until we all come to the perfect man. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, may this not just be words. Lord, bring us to that place. I'm crying out for that place. I'm hungry for that place. That's what I'm hungry for. That perfect man. That one whose needs are already supplied. The one whose, whose aim is now to supply others' needs. Bring us to that place, oh God. I pray in the name of Jesus. Anyone struggling with any error of their faith, anyone who Satan has targeted, I pray for them like Jesus prayed for Peter. And I declare over them, your faith shall not fail. Yes, you've been going for interviews and interviews. You've not gotten that job yet. Your faith shall not fail. Your faith is producing results in the name of Jesus. I, I, I say your faith is working for you. I say your faith is working for you. And after you are strengthened, go strengthen others in the name of Jesus. I say your faith shall not fail. That one who's been struggling with the mind, that one who's been struggling with those immoral thoughts, that one who's been struggling with those immoral desires, your faith, your faith in Christ Jesus, that Christ Jesus has made you whole, that Christ Jesus has delivered you from the dominion of darkness, your faith that Christ Jesus has set you apart from the world, that Christ Jesus has given you his spirit and you are holy. Your faith shall not fail. Those addictions are destroyed now in Jesus' name. And after you are strengthened, God strengthen your brethren. I pray for this in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. I will continue next week. God bless you.